fact is the market is closed. Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great weekend out there and a great start to your weeks as well. It was a you know pretty good start to the week for our markets. We finished with three out of our four major indexes higher on the day today and going into a week that is much anticipated with many people calling it the most important week of the summer, maybe of the year so far. It's good to see our markets rallying into a week like that, or at least finishing positive going into a week like that, because we do have a lot going on this week. First off, it's going to be one of the busiest weeks so far for Q2 earnings. A lot of the big names coming out uh, and reporting this week. Then on Wednesday, we will get the latest Fed minutes, the latest FOMC meeting and a speech from none other than Jay Powell and what will likely be their final rate hike at least until September as there is no designated Fed meeting in August, but I'll cover some more of that here in a second as well. And then on Thursday, we will get the Q2 GDP print that everybody has been waiting on here to really be able to tell are we in a technical recession here or not? And I say technical for a reason. I'll get to that here in a second as well. But first off, kicking it off with the earnings this week. This is the biggest week of earnings for Q2. Got a lot of the mega cap tech names, a lot of international companies as well, which will be interesting to see report with a strong US dollar. Uh, they will have, you know, it'll be interesting to tell to see how it impacts their bottom line. But here's what we've got. We had a few, uh, you know, big names releasing today as well. Uh, but the really the big ones start tomorrow, where we've got UPS, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Alphabet. Y'all all know Google. Like Kip said today on his midday update, nobody's nobody cares about these name changes. Nobody's gonna call Facebook Meta, at least not in the short term. But then also tomorrow we've got Microsoft, Visa. And a, a number of others, and then Shopify on Wednesday, Spotify on Wednesday, um, Facebook. I'm not even gonna call it Meta. And then on Thursday, you know, a lot of people really looking at that. We've got Apple, Amazon, Intel. Uh, so, and that's just I'm really just naming a few names here off the the list of most important companies releasing earnings this week. Um, but it could be or will be a very important week to see how earnings perform here. And to date for Q2 earnings, it really hasn't been bad at all. Like you would have thought uh, after you know so many companies in Q1 lowering future guidance. That's the game, isn't it? They lowered it in Q1 so that they could beat it in Q2, make it look a little bit better. So to date for Q2, approximately 75% of companies that have reported Q2 earnings so far have beat analyst estimates. Like I just said, they, they lowered estimates for a reason. Uh, but they've had roughly flat earnings growth and revenue growth in the 10% range. So, you know, absolutely earnings have been better than, better than people expected. Uh, we'll know a whole lot more after this week. Uh, would love to see some strong earnings continue to come in here. And then as I said earlier, Wednesday, uh, another important meeting here from the Federal Reserve, the Fed. You know, a lot of questions out there right now. Going into this meeting, it was basically baked in the cake that they were going to 
raised rates by 75 basis points. And then two weeks ago, the CPI data came out and flipped everything on its head. The chances for a full 1% rate, rate hike jumped from like 6.7% to 58% or something like that. I think it might have even been a little bit higher than that. Since then, expectations for a full 1% rate hike have dropped significantly. Not really a whole lot of people talking about that happening there. But as I mentioned earlier, it will also be the last Fed meeting for until September. Now, it wouldn't be totally unprecedented for them to make policy announcements in August as well, but we just do not see that as likely here. Uh, as Kip talked about earlier today, and we've talked about a lot over our podcast the last few weeks, we see a lot of signs that inflation at the very least is slowing. You've seen it in commodity prices, the price of metals, food, energy prices, all dropping significantly from their recent peaks. So it's a good sign there that, you know, maybe what the Fed has done so far has started to work, but we're also seeing economic growth beginning to slow as well. Seeing it in employment reports, uh, obviously we saw it in Q1 GDP, um, but, in our view, because of all of those reasons, this will likely be, hopefully be, the final leg of the Fed's rate hike strategy here. It's not exactly baked into the Fed funds rate yet, but depending on the data that we get out this week, um, you know, we'll learn a lot more here as well. But as we've seen throughout the history of the Federal Reserve, raising rates into a slowing economy is not exactly a strategy for prosperity here. Just like they did in 2006, hiking rates into a slowing economy led to the Great Recession, right? Uh, so each rate hike from here increases that probability of a recession. And with midterms coming up, a slowing stock market, bear market, right? Slowing economy, these aren't good looks for the Democratic Party. So at the very least, you know, the Federal Reserve might put this, this program on hold uh, and call in the plunge protection team to help the dim chances, uh, you know, coming up in uh, 2022 here. But speaking of slowing growth here, on Thursday, we'll also get back Q2 GDP. Of course, that will be an important tell for what the Fed does next from there. But it is expected... I generally expected that this again will be negative and a whole lot of people are talking about that today as the White House came out today revising the definition for what a recession is, right? They love to do this when either the data doesn't back them up or sentiment doesn't back up their narrative. They love to just go around and you know shuffle around some definitions. I've got some examples of that here in a second as well. But the quote from today's press release says, and I quote, while some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. They go on to say from there that even if there is a negative print, they don't believe that that indicates a recession. Now, I got to say, as much as I, I you know, don't like these propaganda feeling type of press releases, I do actually agree that, you know, terms like this are most of the time pretty arbitrary, right? 
Look at the term for a bear market. Any drop from 20% below the highs is a bear market. I mean, who picked the 20% number? Why isn't it 25%? Why isn't it 30%? Why isn't it 15%? Right? So these are, I mean, more matter of, it's just a fact, right? We got back-to-back -back quarters of slowing growth. Does that mean we're in a recession? Well, there's a ton of other data we could look at for that. So we know they aren't exact. These are rule of thumb kind of measurements. So why does the White House feel the need to come in and change these terms then, right? We know why, because it doesn't fit their narrative. And they know that a lot of people are going to be talking about, oh, well, back-to-back -back quarters of GDP growth. That means that we're in a recession. But you know, if, if the shoe were on the other foot and Trump were still in office, and we were looking like we're on the verge of back-to-back -back quarters of negative GDP, they would be shouting from the rooftops, already shouting from the rooftops, we're in a recession. It could be one of the worst ones we've had since the Great Depression. It looks like it's going to be worse than the financial crisis. That's the exact kind of rhetoric we would hear from most of the mainstream media, right? But when it doesn't fit the left's political narrative, they love to change these definitions. Or they'll go as far as to change calculations, like we've seen in CPI, like we've seen in employment numbers where they're pulling forward job growth or pulling forward job growth into today's employment numbers, right? So while I may agree that the definition of a recession is arbitrary, I mean, that's the way that people have looked at it for years, this rule of thumb measurement. So the fact that they want to change it just makes you want to trust them even less, right? <laughs> really not a whole lot of trust to lose there. But again, it doesn't just apply to economics. It applies to anything political. For example, the COVID vaccines. This is a great example of this. When the traditional definition of vaccine didn't seem to fit these mRNA vaccines anymore, they changed the working definition of what a vaccine is. Um, going from you know a dead virus that prevents future infection to something that can help prevent symptoms. Like these, these little changes in there, right? That clearly you know, you're trying to obscure what you're doing. They changed the definition of woman, right? They can no longer define what a woman is to please the LGBTQ side, right? And now after destroying the economy, they want to change the term of a recession. It's really, you know, you got to look at it with a sense of humor, right? Um, it's just, is it's, it's pretty funny to watch, but we actually doubt overall that Q2 GDP will be negative. I mean, how interesting is it? And again, a great reason why this is such an arbitrary definition. Let's say the data comes back with 0.1% growth for Q2 GDP. So now does the clock just reset? Now if we get Q3 comes back negative. Oh, well, that wasn't back-to-back -back quarters of negative GDP. Even if it was just 0.1% growth in Q2, so that's not technically a recession, right? I mean, so does the clock reset? I mean, it's just so many funny things about this situation. But overall, again, we don't see that we're in a recession right now. Yes, the economy is slowing. But when you take a look at some of the economic numbers out there, still strong employment numbers, or take a look at industrial production, which rose 4.8% on an annual rate in the first quarter, it rose 6.2% in Q2. Unemployment also 
lower now than it was at the end of last year. Payrolls are growing um, at a faster rate than they did in Q1, actually. So if we were already in a recession, none of this would have happened. So, you know, <laughs> that, that's how we feel about it here. And as soon as they start to say that we're in a recession, that's usually the time when you want to be buying stocks because by the time you've realized in a recession, you're likely already out of it. Stocks have bottomed and we're off to the races. Stocks rally before the bottom of a recession. We think that will be the case here as well. All right, so let's take a look at our markets on the day. I went a little longer on those topics than I had planned, uh, but good conversation. You know, if, uh, if y'all have any questions or comments about those, please, you know, leave them, drop them in the comments as well. We love hearing from you. But so taking a look at our markets on the day, as I mentioned earlier, we finished with three out of our four major indexes higher on the day. We were led by the small caps of six tenths of 1% to 1,817. Excuse me. We were followed there by the Dow up 0.28% to 31,990. And uh, next up the S&P 500 up 0.13% to 3,966. And finally the NASDAQ down four tenths of 1% are one loser on the day to 11,782. And, you know, while we did finish slightly positive on the day and with the NASDAQ negative, I mean, we were really flipping back and forth between negative and positive for a lot of the sessions. So to finish positive and well off the lows of the day, we'll take that as a win here. We also saw the semis today. We're down pretty much all day today but rallied to finish almost near their highs of the day today, down just six tenths of 1%. Um, so to finish there today, we'll take that here as a win as well. So looking at our internals on the day, this was another interesting factor here. Even at midday today, when the, the NASDAQ was lower, the S&P was lower, um, the internals stayed positive. Really up until the last couple hours of trading, NASDAQ internals were positive. So could have been much worse today. And again, we'll take that as a win on a day like today. So advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks on the NYSE came back just barely negative on the NASDAQ. So again, good to see. 52-week uh, lows did beat out 52-week highs. When we talk about this a lot, that's a lagging indicator here. We're still getting much better readings than we did this time a month ago. And lastly, volume came in positive on the NYSE, just barely negative on the NASDAQ. So not bad internals at all on a day like today. Looking at our sectors on the day, we finished with eight out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. We were led by energy today, oil prices up big, followed there by utilities, financials, and healthcare. Our three laggards on the day were consumer discretionary, technology, and communication services. Sorry, I got some of my screen over here. Finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch. Not a great day for our precious metals. Gold now down six-tenths of 1% to $1,716 an ounce. Silver down more, 1.6% to $18.31 an ounce. Both of those, and that's getting pretty close to a 52-week low there. Silver's 52-week low is just above 18, I believe, and gold is just below 1,700. So we want to see those hold and start to rally from here. Copper, now higher on the day, up four-tenths of 1% to $3.36 a pound. And oil, as I mentioned earlier, up nicely by 2% now to $96.64 a barrel. 
Finally for today, Bitcoin losing some ground here after it peaked last week, looked like it was off to the races, got above 24,000 just five days ago. Today, now down 2.76% to $22,113 of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, and that, uh, I got, I always got a lot to talk about here. Got about 10 other topics that I want to cover, but we're getting a little lengthy on these. So folks, that's all we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.